0: Welcome to Soul Rio, a church where God is made center, families made stronger, and lives restored. Today's sermon is entitled "Practical Faith," presented by Pastor Jason Potter on August third, 2017.
1: Hope that everybody has some kind of uh, extra benefit from this holiday weekend—an extra day off, some extra time to relax, family time, something along those lines. By all the empty seats. I can see that other people don't have a problem taking uh, <laughs> enjoying this holiday weekend. Amongst those who are uh, who are gone, who are traveling, or taking a little trip, are Pastor Ellen and Pastor Floyd. So you're stuck with me today, and that works out. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that works out well because this is uh, almost a similar uh, size of of youth group, so it's kind of right in my comfort zone. The difference is. At youth group, I'd be calling people out saying, why are you sitting way back there when you have all these seats right here? But I'm not, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> hint, hint. All right. all right. So I've been journeying through this message or through this message series called Practical Faith. Right. And uh, this, the top of, of today's message was kind of left open. You know, we, we plan uh, many months ahead of time with the series that we do and what we're going to talk about and what scriptures we're going to use for the week ahead of time but not really knowing what this weekend was going to look like with the holiday and uh, um, and who was going to be here and who wasn't we decided just to leave this message open and God's put it on my heart to talk about something that uh, that seems to be uh, kind of hitting us really hard this year and that's anxiety right it seems to have gotten like this deep hold on people this year and And uh, so here's what uh, uh, Bill uh, Gebhardt, Bill Gebhardt is a a pastor who's done a whole series on this and he was having an interview about it and he brought us some really good points and he refers to anxiety as the darker feelings. And here's what he has to say. He says the darker feelings of our lives from a Christian point of view are thieves, stealing our joy and the peace that Jesus desires us to have. The darker feelings are common. Darker feelings are often felt but seldom spoken of in Christian circles. They're also biblical. Saul, Jeremiah, David, John the Baptist all dealt with worry, fear, and doubt. Right, I think he's on point with every single one of those statements. Right, anxiety is like weeds, right? It starts with just a few, but if we don't get control of them, if we don't get them from the roots and completely root them out of our lives or out of our, our yard, right, they just take over and they just, uh, just hog everything that they come into path with. And that's how anxiety is. If, if we allow it to, if we don't root it at the beginning, it can take over our minds and take over our hearts uh, the definition of anxiety reads this it says it's a feeling of worry nervousness or unease typically about an imminent event or something with an uncertain outcome and there's another way to describe uh, these feelings of worry and these feelings of nervousness and that's just life we all have these moments we all have trials and challenges in life that force us to confront these feelings these darker feelings Right, but there seems to be a deeper dose of that going around for some reason this past year. Right, it certainly has hit me. The past eight months or so, it certainly hit me in ways I never thought that I'd be vulnerable to it. And as I talk about it and I share it with other people, I find out that I'm not the only one. And it's not just here at Still Rio. I'm, I'm hearing about it in work from f- family members that don't even live in the state. Right, there just seems to be something going on right now that's really captivating some people. Um. So I'd like to, to read an intro to an article that Pastor Paul Tripp wrote a few years ago. It says this. We're pastors and we're anxious. He sat in my office exhausted and discouraged. No, he wasn't about to abandon the ministry in which he'd been called. In many ways, he lived with a deep sense of privilege. He'd been chosen and gifted to be a minister of the gospel, but he was tired and his work had taken a toll on his family. He was able to admit that he said yes too much, sought to establish personal control over too many things, and worked too much. He thought that his deep dedication and unending schedule were the result of the motivation and loyalty of faith. But in the midst of his exhaustion and his family's protest, he began to wonder, could it be that this life of frantic energy and constant ministry focus was driven by something else? His wife told him again and again that he needed to be around more for their four children. She told him that even when he was home, he often wasn't there. And in his quiet, self-reflective moments, he had to admit that his heart wasn't at rest. Little did my pastor friend know that he wasn't alone. His story is a story of many. Could it be that one of the dark secrets in pastoral ministry is that a whole lot of what we do is driven by worry and not by faith? We're going to come back to that worry, things being driven by worry and not by faith? Could it be that the functional level, much of ministry, is shaped by long catalogue of what-ifs? Could it be that this causes us to load the health of the church onto our shoulders? Could it be that too much of our ministry is shaped by subtle pastoral self-sovereignty? Could it be that in pastoral ministry, the sin of unbelief is often recast as commitment, discipline, dedication, or willingness to suffer? Is it not possible in pastoral ministry for unbelief to be perceived as maturity? And the article goes on. There's some more great stuff in there. But that was just the, the intro to it, right? Now, please know that my point in sharing that with you is not to, to try to make in any way a case that uh, the pastor's are dealing with any kind of type or type of anxiety that nobody else has to deal with or that's any more difficult than anybody else, right? It's not an attempt to stir up any type of emotional response to some of the struggles that pastors face, or it's not even a call to, uh, to the, the endless hours and the, the dedication that pastor Floyd pours into this church family, right? He's not even here for me to get any brownie points for saying that. You are recording this though, right, Jeremy? So he can go back and listen to it <laughs> later. Okay. Okay, good deal. Um. <laughs> that works. All right, so I simply just want to make it clear, right? I just want to, want to let you know where the heart of this message is coming from, right? It's, it's that it's coming from a place where many of you feel like you are today, Right? It's not a, an attempt to say, here's a problem. Here's what the scripture says about it. Let's talk about it for 30 minutes, and then tomorrow we'll just go on like, uh, like it's all solved. Right? On to the next problem, on to the next subject. Right? Pastors do a lot of research on anxiety and what the Bible has to say about it. And there is a lot of comfort in those truths, but the, the fact is that anxiety is real, and it's painful, and it sucks. I was going to ask Michelle last week, I said, is that an appropriate is that an appropriate title for the sermon? Can I just call the, tr- the sermon "Anxiety Sucks"? And she said, "No, it's not appropriate." So I didn't do it. <laughs> right, but in those r- rough moments, right, pastors don't have any special method of claiming or applying biblical truths in these situations that anybody else has. Right, and I used to think so, and maybe that's why I'm stressing this so much. Is I used to think, well, pastor so and so isn't going to get it; he's not going to understand. Right? He's so in tune with God and his word. Right? He must never really worry about anything. Right? His faith must be above all this anxiety stuff. And, and, uh, and it kind of put them on this, on this pedestal of that they don't worry about things like the future and what God's provide. Right? I mean, they're doing the work of God. How can they ever think that God's not going to provide? But the truth is the enemy, the enemy will attack us all in any way that he possibly can. And that includes trying to make us feel weak, and lost, and he wants to rob us of the assurances that we have in Christ. All right, so as we dig into scripture and, and look at some things, right. my prayer truly is that anybody who's struggling with these things, that over the next week and the month and the, the rest of the year and leading forward, that God leads us into, uh, uh, into some time of comfort and encouragement. But I think it's unrealistic just to think, well, now that we know what the Bible says about this, and uh, it's all just going to be better. We know that most things just don't work like that. We are flawed human beings living in a broken world. And the world that we go into tomorrow and the next day is going to still just be just as broken and we're going to be just as flawed. And until Jesus returns, that's not going to end. But the good news is that he is coming back. Jesus is returning. And he's going to deliver us from all of those struggles once and for all. And in the meantime, he wants us to live life and he wants us to live it abundantly. Is that me up there? That, am I doing something with this? That's causing that feedback? Does anybody even hear that feedback? Or is that all in my head? Okay, let me try that. All right. <laughs> all right, so... Uh, so yeah. yeah, this feedback is making me so anxious. <laughs> all right, so why does it seem like we're in a season of extra tr- troubled times in our spirits? Right, I doubt it's possible to pinpoint a single universal reason that we're going through this, and of course it's unique to everybody right the worries of one person isn't necessarily the struggles of another um early earlier in the year at our watchmen on the wall meetings we were talking quite a bit about this thing called uh, cycles right we're talking about various various cycles now cycles are not uh people's predictions or or interpretations of prophecies right it's just simply history it's looking back over history seeing what has happened in over a certain period of time and how that history repeats itself and, and the patterns and the schedules that s- things seem to happen on, right? And there's many types of cycles. You have economic cycles, political cycles, cycles of war. Well, 2016 began a couple of cycles at once, actually several, right? And amongst those is it began a cycle of civil unrest, and it also began a cycle of war, too. Actually, the, uh, the cycle of war and a cycle of civil unrest haven't merged together since the 1700s. And from that unrest was the revolution that actually created our country. Right, so uh, so the, we have these, these cycles coming together. Well, what we saw during the election season last year and what we're seeing in the division in this country right now, how drastically divided we are, right, it's hard to find an argument against the fact that we're in a civil unrest. Right, there's something going on, and these cycles don't just apply to the United States. It's happening all over the world. Uh, Great Britain, Venezuela, Syria are some of the most extreme examples right now. Of course, all these civil unrests can't be blamed for all of the anxieties that that hold us uh, personally. That are hold on to us personally. That are taking a hold of us. Right, but when we're overwhelmingly surrounded by all of these uncertainties in the world and so many people are constantly reporting on it, talking about it, obsessing over it, right? I think it's a huge factor that we must consider. And, and if there's a link here between the world we live in and our own personal anxieties, right, we can't ignore it. That's something that's got to be addressed. I think the main reason why I bring this up is because the cycle isn't going to end anytime soon. We're in the early phases of it right now. This is the beginning, right? Things are going to get much worse before they get better, and we need to be prepared for that. And regardless of what your personal opinions are and everything that's going on, whether you're uh, you're heavily favor or you heavily side with one side of an argument or the other side, or whether you're somebody kind of in the middle that just wants to see everything from all points of view and keep an open mind about it, or even if you're just completely indifferent, right? Even if it just doesn't matter, all the stuff that's going on, this unrest that we're seeing in the world is real. It's causing pain to those around us, and it's going to affect us in one way or another. The future of what life looks like on this earth for us, for our children and our loved ones, in many ways is dependent on the events that go on around us. Other things that contribute to heavy anxiety are deaths of those close to us, doubts about our economy, unemployment, fears of future job markets, rising poverty, wars and terrorism. My phone just blew up this morning when I woke up and I looked at all the news alerts going on on what's going on in North Korea and the the nuclear bomb that they just tested overnight. Well, it wasn't overnight for them, but it was overnight for us. And the way that we're responding to it, right, the way the world is responding to it. A loss of relationships, changes in relationships, aging. You better believe I'm filling that one with with, uh, with sending my youngest kid off to college and becoming an uh, empty nester. All right, you better believe I'm... I'm uh, uh, you know, I, I thought that that was going to be my response until it actually happened. But You better believe that aging's on my mind right now. Health of our loved ones, sickness in our own lives, and medicine side effects. I'm not talking about upset stomachs and migraines that you might get from taking a medicine. Right? This, this world is absorbing more pharmaceutical drugs than ever before, and we don't understand all the side effects that comes with that. right? The emotional roller coasters, the, uh, um, the way that it can make somebody perceive reality in a different way. We don't understand that yet. This is things that we're experiencing. Right, many of these things aren't new. Each generation, for example, has to be confronted with sick and death, uh, sickness and death. That's not new. But it's just there's something about these current times that just seems different, right? We have this new expectation of modern medicine, where we think that all these health problems are just going to be solved or should be solved. Right? Constant access to this information. Right? We've always known about the big events that happen in the world. But it seems like every time there's any kind of a controversial shooting anywhere, we know about it within uh, moments. Right? We're surrounded by it. And if we're completely honest, we live in an age of where there's some sort of entitlement, right, where we think that we shouldn't have to experience some of these hardships. And in many ways, that leaves us unprepared to deal with them. All right, so what? Right? That's a, a whole lot of words to build a case for, for the subject, but what do we do about all this? Right? Because unless we all become activists, doctors politicians and not only do we become them but we become better at it than anybody else right we can't solve all of these problems that cause us to have anxiety and even if we did the enemy would just find new ways to attack us in this area so we must do what God has equipped us to do and fight back right we fight back in truth and in spirit so the first uh, the, the first thing that, that we would want to do is we must recognize and embrace that we are not alone in this battle it recognize and embrace that we are not alone in this battle. Ecclesiastes four, nine through twelve says this Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, a triple-braided cord is not easily broken. Right. So if you're feeling alone in your anxiety right now, hear this, you are absolutely not alone. Right. You have a God, we have a God, and God has given us each other. This is one of the biggest blessings to be in, to be in part of the church, right, to the body of Christ, is we have each other to share life with. One thing I love about a small congregation like this is nobody is closed off to their pastor. Right? Everybody here has access to their pastor. I'm not trying to install larger churches. I'm sure that all of those pastors that have these mega churches, large churches, would love to be able to share in the lives of every single one of their members, but it's just not possible. Right? There's no person capable of pastoring to 14,000 members. That's not the case here. Right? And, and I know from Witness how av- available that Floyd makes himself to everybody. And I know from personal experience how much he truly cares. Right, earlier in the year, Michelle and I had lunch on Saturday with Floyd and Janice. And it was a nice, nice lunch. We went out, then we went back to uh, Floyd and Janice, and we we're just hanging out and talking. And, and I said, you know, there's something that I wasn't sure if I wanted to share with you or not, but I, th- I think I, I need to. And I said, I'm going through something right now, Floyd, and, and I don't know what it is. And I shared some specific things I was going through. I said, you know, I've, I've gone through struggles, my, my fair share of struggles, my hardships before. Um, and, you know, you fight through it, you do the best you can, and then, and then you move on to the next phase of your life. I said, but something is different with this one. Something's deeper is going on. I don't know what it is, and I don't like it. And, you know, of course, my fear and my anxiety, my fear was that, that Floyd's attitude was going to be like, oh, man, I listen to people's problems all day, every day. Here we are on Saturday trying to have a nice lunch with some friends, and now... And now here we go having this conversation, right? But nothing could have been further from the truth. The way that he responded and him and Janice, actually the way that both of them responded to some of the things that Michelle and I were going through. And and some of the things that we were wrestling through was so compassionate, so genuine and so loving. And I feel ridiculous forever, forever thinking that his response would be anything else. But, you know, that's the kind of pastor that or That's the kind of church that, that we have here, the kind of church that he leads. And, I know that he's, he's more than willing to open up his heart to anybody at any time. And it's not just our lead pastor, right? Our entire staff has that heart. And, and I'm confident that many of you, especially those of you who've been around for a while, have experienced that in your own lives or you've witnessed it in some time or, or another. And then what's really great about this congregation as well is that it's not just the staff that truly cares. I can't even count how many times that the, the Millsaps have been there during our times of struggle, both in encouragement and in practical help. The Sobieskis have been a, such a huge blessing to us every time that we've been in need. Right, those are only two examples. The McDonald's, the Mosses, the Boatmans, the Lewises—right, the list goes on and on. We have been pastored by so many in this family, and I know that many of you guys have been too. So nobody here should ever feel alone. Right, another way to fight back is to keep a clear conscience fight back by keeping a clear conscience in the book of acts Luke spoke of the importance of keeping a clear conscience in his own life in verse twenty-four sixteen, he says I myself stru- always strive to have a conscience without offense toward God and men so when anxieties begin to fill your life you want to have a clean conscience and In the New Testament the gospel reveals to us that Jesus was given authority to to forgive our sins right and his death on the cross was and his willingness to completely absorb the punishment for our sins shows us what extremes he was willing to go through so that he could forgive us so how does this relate to anxiety well i've yet to see anything in scripture in the new testament right in god's new covenant with his people i have yet to see any evidence that we're disciplined by our for our sins by things that would cause us to have anxiety I also haven't seen anything in scripture that says that we're not. So if anybody knows of where this is addressed in the New Testament, please share that with me. But regardless if that's how it works or not, when we have guilt in our hearts, it's human nature to question whether or not these hardships that we face are some kind of punishment right? some kind of punishment from God. And let me explain what I mean. Um, At work, I'm responsible for the computer network. Uh, solely responsible for the computer network that affects anywhere from, on any given day, anywhere from 600 to 1,000 people's ability to do their job. Right? So if we have issues, there's a lot of people uh, that are affected, and that's, that's a lot of pressure. Well to try to be proactive, I've set up a system where I get alerts when things go down or things aren't working properly. It sends me alerts so I can try to solve problems before uh, anybody really notices. Well, along with that system comes these false positives. Right? Sometimes I get these alerts for some unknown reason on problems that aren't really problems. They don't really exist, and it drives me nuts. Well, I went through this phase several years ago, right? I went through this phase where that seemed to be happening more often. Right? I was also going through this phase where, where I was battling some specific sin, and I wasn't doing very good in my battles. Right? I was really struggling with some, some sin, and, and then I was also coaching Jared's baseball team at the time, so I'd be sneaking out of work early, Driving through the crazy rush hour traffic, trying to get across town so I can get the lineup turned in, get the team warmed up, all this crazy stuff and as i 'm on the road, I start getting these alerts, and i don't know if they're false positives i don 't know if there's really problems i don 't know if I have to turn around and go back to to work if i 'm going to uh, you know be yelled at for not being there to to fix the major problems going on i just didn 't know right and my point is because i was struggling with with the sin so much that you know a sin that I was letting uh take over my time and and really affect, you know, the, the time I was spending where I should have been doing more productive things. Um, I was always wondering, you know, is this God's, I was convinced, I wasn't wondering, I was absolutely convinced that God was punishing me, that he was sending me these alerts, trying to get my attention, trying to shake me, trying to, so that I would, I would resolve the sin of my life. And it worked, by the way, I don't know if that's what, his, uh, I don't know if, if that's what, what was going on or not, but repenting from sin provides great comfort right now we know that we're never going to be free from sin right we'll never be be sin free there's always going to be sin in our lives as far as uh, us committing them but being repentful doesn't mean that we are free from sinning right it means it's a, a genuine attempt to make ri- uh, to make right the wrong that we've done it's turning away from reoccurring sin striving to be different striving to be better confessing our trespasses against the Lord directly to him daily. Right? Otherwise, when troubles come into our life and we know that we've been rebelling against God and we have this unconfessed sin just lingering around in our hearts, right, we immediately start thinking that perhaps this, this trial is God disciplining us. And that's one of the worst feelings, right? To think that a difficult trial in our lives is brought on by ourselves due to disobedience from God. So eliminate that doubt by knowing that you have done the absolute best you can to be obedient to God. Right, another way to fight back. right? Refuse to be paralyzed by fear. Refuse to be paralyzed by fear. Isaiah 41.10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not, be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Did you know that God has never not provided for me? Ever. He has never not provided for me. He has never once prevailed or failed to provide me with employment. I have never had to skip a meal because I didn't have money or I didn't have the the food to eat. I've never gone to sleep without heat or running water. I've never gone to sleep without a roof over my head, or even a bed to sleep in. I've been on this earth for well over fourteen thousand days. I'm turning 40 in a couple months. You don't have to double check my math, right? Trust me, I'm well aware of how long I've been here. I've been here for over 14,000 days and God has provided for me on every single one of those days. That's a pretty darn good track record, right? Yeah, I've spent so many nights worried about the future of such things. Right? It's crazy, it really is. It's, it's illogical even. If I went to go see a movie about someone who has been blessed in life as much as I have, and this character was restless throughout the night, worried about, about all these things. I'd be so frustrated with that character. You guys ever get frustrated with somebody on a movie, right? Why are they doing that? I'd be so frustrated. Be, what is wrong with this person? How could he ever doubt that his God is willing to do, what his God is willing to do for him, right? But that's how it works. And I know that I'm not the only one. Right? The, ba- the Bible makes it very clear that fear is not from God, but it's from the devil. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but, a power, but of power and of love and of sound mind. Right? God has given us the ability to control our emotions. Therefore, we must decide to claim that gift by refusing to let fear control us. Right? So God has equipped us and empowered us to fight back against these attacks. Right? These attacks on our minds and these attacks on our spirits. We know that we're not alone in these struggles. We have each other. God's given us each other. He's given us a path so that we can have a clear conscience with the assurance that we will be forgiven for our sins every time we confess them to him. And he's given us a spirit of courage that defeats the stronghold that fear tries to control us with. And probably the most well-known passage about anxiety comes from Philippians 4. Verses six through nine. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with Thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. See what the promise is there. The promise isn't to deliver us from, from these things that there are these trials that we're going through. The promise is that the peace of God will guard our hearts and our minds. Verse 8 says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard, and you saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. Right, these are some power." biblical truths to hold on to. They really are. But it's not always easy to put those into to fraction, put them into action at those very moments that we're struggling. Right? And those tough moments. You guys all are familiar with them. The, the moments at 3 a.m. when you can't sleep. Right? And your stomach is just, feels like it's an agony because you're worried about so much in your mind. Right? When you're at work or when you're looking for work. Right? And And you're so distraught that you can't even describe why you feel the way that you do. You struggle to move forward. You feel stuck in the very moment and you just don't know what to do. These are the moments that we must really lean on our faith and seek the perfect hope that Christ gives us. What an act of faith it is to turn to Jesus, to run to your Savior. When troubles seem to take over your thoughts, Put your faith into action by keeping in constant contact with God. Right, pray continuously. Does anybody have a mantra or like a a go-to uh, phrase that you, you you like to repeat in your mind whenever you need to be reminded of something? God's not through with me yet. Beautiful, perfect. I love it. Right. Well, I, I have one that uh, I've found that really works well for me. Of course, you know these. This isn't a list of do this, do that, because everything's unique to everybody. But here's something that's been working really well for me. Um, whenever I'm struggling at work or, or I have an inevitable situation that I know that I'm going to have to go through that I just don't want to face, I just simply say this. I just ask God, I said, what do you have planned for me in this situation? Now, because even though my responses don't often reflect it, I really do believe that God's plans are better than my plans. And I really do believe that God works for the good of those who love him. And that's me. I love him. And I know you guys do too. Right? I do, really do believe that he works for good. So asking God this question simply serves as a reminder, Right? instead of approaching a specific situation with, uh, oh great, what's going to go wrong now? Or what else can make this day any worse? I just simply ask God. I say, God, what do you have planned for me now? Knowing that his plans are better than mine. And it helps me to know that he's near. Right? It helps to remind me that he's always with me. Hebrews 11.6 tells us how critical our faith is if we want to be pleasing to God. It says, without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. All right, a couple more pieces of wisdom that I want to share from you from that article from, uh, from Pastor Tripp. Uh, that will help us stay strong in our faith says this he makes this point your faith must not be tied to your daily circumstances but to the lord whose eternal presence promises and provisions are never altered by daily circumstances living by faith means that no matter what happens you have reason to continue god is still the same his commands are still valid his promises are still true his provision is still abundant his presence has never left he reminds us that from a doctrinal st- standpoint, we have all the answers we need to believe in the power, presence, and promises of God. Right, but no matter how much theological knowledge we have in our brains, our hearts are prone to forget. And we must continuously remind ourselves of the truths in the Bible, not because we need to be taught a new concept, but because our wandering hearts needs to be ushered back into the throne room of grace. The book of Psalms has so many wise and comforting passages to hang on to. Right, the backside of your insert, I've, I've listed just a few of them that can serve as reminders when our heart, hearts are prone to forget, just like uh, Pastor Chip talked about. So before we close the prayer, I just want to look at the first four of those together. I can't remember if, uh, um, I can't remember if we decide if we're going to put them up on the screen or not, but they're definitely on the back of, of your insert. And these specific four passages are four that I keep on um, on my phone in a little notepad so that I can quickly access them anytime I need to. And whenever I have trouble sleeping because of worry, I pray these verses back to God and he gives me peace and rest. And then at 3 a.m. when I wake up with those same worries, I will go right back to them and once again I find comfort. The first one is Psalm 4.8. I will both lie down in peace and sleep for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Psalm 68:19, Praise be to the Lord, to God our Savior, who daily bears our burdens. Psalm 91, 1. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. My absolute favorite is Psalm 116, 7. Return to your rest, my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. Church, whatever you're facing, whatever you're struggling with, I pray that you will never, ever forget the promise of that psalm, that the Lord has indeed, indeed been good to you. So let's praise God for his goodness. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your, for your deliverance, Lord, the, the peace that you offer us. Lord, we know that, that as long as we're on this earth, we're not going to be delivered from every trial. We know that you will deliver us from some trials and some trials you want us to go through. We may never understand on this side of heaven why we face some and and some we're delivered from. But Lord, we do know that you are working for the good of those who love you. Lord, as a church, we profess our love for you right here today. And we trust that that whatever it is that you're bringing us through, that you're doing it because you know it's going to build us into the person that you created us to be. Lord, I pray that we we take this wisdom that you've given us through your word and we let it just resonate in our hearts and our minds and we find peace in those situations. And I pray that you help us to, to discover those around us who are struggling with such feelings. And you help us use whatever it is that you put on our minds, whatever it is that you, wisdom you give us in the moment to help them through their moments. Lord, not only do we want to look at each other to be pastored, but we want to be there for those who need it to hear these truths as well. I just pray for anybody who's struggling this morning, Lord, anybody who's got a broken heart, who's got a troubled mind, whose soul is stirred up, Lord, that you're just there to, with your loving hands and you're providing the comfort and the type of love that only you can provide. And it's giving us confidence, love, and hope and helping us to claim that abundant life that you want us to live. Lord, and until you return,
0: we look forward to that day and we will praise you forever and ever and we will do this in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening and we pray you were blessed by today's message. You are invited to worship with us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. For directions and information about Soul Rio and our weekly events please visit our website at soulrio.com You may also contact us by phone at area code 505 792 8737 or email us at info at soulrio.com at Soul Rio we're a community of followers of Jesus Christ committed to live by faith to be known by love and to be a voice of hope to our community we invite you to go with us on this journey